Hi guys, uh, Scully's found the lost episode, so here it is, but the audio's kind of bad, so we apologise that. Any complaints, send to council at timsway.net. Hello and welcome, I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I'm Brett. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the woodworking wookie. So, <laughs> so, Brett, Al, what have you guys been up to? Go in on, that Brett. order. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just sent out the unruly sign, finally. I had to build a box for that and get it out the door, which was nice to see leave the shop. Clients all excited. And then I started my next build, um, which is going to be a nautical-themed floor lamp um it's it's gonna be scully's nightlight in the shop but (laughs) i got an old piece of driftwood or or dead tree it was a it was still really tall and the wood is in decent shape for being as dead as long as it has yeah um but i'm chopping it up and kind of i'm i'm making a crow's nest barrel slatted crow's nest and then i'll put the lamp in there and and i've got a I've got 600 feet of nautical uh, tar hemp rope. Nice. That I got off the eBay, off off the flea bay. Yeah. Um, and I'll I'll do some rope detailing on there. I'm gonna put a couple of Turks head knots and should look pretty good when we're done. Awesome, man. I got su- I got super excited, Brett, when you put the picture up, and it was like, oh yeah, it's going to be something nautical themed. Um, yeah. I was in, I was in a real piratey mood, and then today <laughs> today I was looking at um, it's like list of games coming out next year, so like big kind of like you know new God of War and things like that, and yeah. Rare are bringing out a new game. It's their first game in like fifteen years or something. Yeah, um, I think like Perfect Dark Zero or something was their last game, and yeah. Rare are bringing out a pirate game this year. Awesome. Yeah, because they because they they got bought by Microsoft, but then this is their first like sort of independent game since that, and it looks yeah. amazing. It's Perfect. called sort of like a like a, a cartoon version of like um, Black Flag, and it looks really good. <laughs> uh, that definitely nice. sounds like my kind of game. Yeah. So cool. Uh, Al, what about you? Um, yeah. Well, talking of signs, actually, Brett, after your uh, the unruly one, um, I've just started on a, a wood carving. So it's going to be the the sign from the Matrix above the door. So you know when yeah. she's cook, baking cookies and uh, Neil goes to see the Oracle. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's actually it's it's actually a gift for someone because um, this this guy's kind of gone on about this a few times and I've, I I couldn't believe that nobody's made him one. So I'm making this sign. Um, but what's really nice about it? It's an old piece of oak from my parents' house. It's like an yeah. old oak oak beam uh, that's been sort of sat outside rotting for about ten years. Nice, yeah. and I've, I've similar with the drift the driftwood thing, Brett. It's like I couldn't believe that I, I like took the outside off this off this beam. It's you know it's a good sixteen inch square beam. It's an absolute beast, um, and inside is just this beautiful oak. So um, it's really nice, kind of salvaging that, and then in in that theme as well. I'm using the the hand plane that I restored uh, the week before. Oh, nice! So it's kind of a nice little kind of restoration yeah. come kind of rescuing episode but it's just a really nice story to it as well so I'm going to have some fun with it with a bit of a few little cheeky uh, matrix uh, (laughs) little nods nods in there as well brilliant as long as you say what's really going to bake your noodle which is the weirdest line that she says during that exchange but (laughs) I I have actually got some cookie dough ready to go in the oven so (laughs) brilliant (laughs) but uh, yeah I can't believe you haven't told everyone how you uh, how you resort it well yeah okay right so be in the hack shack and I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't have any tools that I need to do specific jobs. <laughs> um, I've got this fucking, you know, foot square uh, oak, solid English oak beam um, that was about three feet long. Um, and I was like, right, I need to get, I need to get some sort of panel out of this. How do I go about it? Um, and basically, just tried every tool in the shop until I found out one that would work. <laughs> but the best thing, the best thing that worked was uh, a pruning saw. So I had this pruning saw, and because it was like I don't know, like three TPI or something, and it was awesome. Yeah. It was ripping right through it. But I could, be, I could basically only get about six inches through it before the handle hit the rest of the wood. So I basically, <laughs> I basically cut like a perimeter all the way around this beam. Um, and then I was like, "Fuck it!" So I just had to get the like the just a regular like um, yeah. 
sort of second fix, no first fix saw and, and, yeah. and cut through it. it was I was expecting that you to say it. that you used brainless on it. <laughs> I, I, it did cross my mind, but like I, I know it would take the, the, the curve was a bit too much on it, Brett. So, um, but I, no, but then I thought like could I split it down because you know when you split logs and yeah. oh, and um, you know like actual tree trees down is a really yeah. a good way to do it. But then I thought that would leave like a a more difficult finish to, to smooth down. So it's more kind of yeah. like what's going to take the time in the long run because it took a lot of planing after that as well to get it down to that thickness as well. But it's satisfying as fuck, like. The working with the oak and, and like hand tools is beautiful. It was really, yeah. really hard, but it was just really satisfying at the same time. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Cool. What about uh, you, Steve? What have you been up to? Uh, I have basically done nothing productive since the last time we spoke. Nice. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I had a few days off over Christmas um, that was taken up with all the normal family stuff, and then was back at the office job for uh, three or four days um, and then uh, had to leave early on my last day because I was coming down with the plague and um, and then spent four days basically led at home going I really don't feel well yeah. uh, and then got better just in time to come back to work so oh nice that was really nice but, uh, um, did, the, did, the, did the tree stand last <laughs> did the tree I got stand better, survive I got the holidays better right when I got back which was nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, the tree stand is still going strong. I've oh, not good, taken man. the tree down yet. Nice. I um, yeah, it's I not did... ma- it's not it's not March yet. Why would you take your Christmas tree down? Exactly, right? <laughs> We're all men here. <laughs> um, no, I uh, <clears throat> the only productive thing I actually did was um, I went and got some uh, a bit of uh, like a big length of oak um, for uh, like a restoration project I've got for some really old. Um, uh, like bar clamps, um, but they're the kind of bar clamps that go in that like you attach to a bit of wood, um, and move up and down as and when you need it, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're really cool. Except I found out after I'd started recording that um, both because it's a set of two, and both of them have actually got a massive chunk missing out of one side. But it's not needed for them to work, so I'm just still going to carry on doing. <laughs> Um, rustic yeah exactly uh, you can get yeah, away with tree, anything if you call it rustic <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, speaking of the tree I'm going to um, take that down and uh, when I well sorry when I do take it down I'm going to cut all the um, uh, branches off and do something with them probably just burn them but do something with them um, and I'm going to uh, cut the actual trunk into as many cookies as I can be bothered to cut it into Um and just use them for various projects and things, and maybe make a few nice. decorations for next year and stuff like that. Um, out of that, so yeah. After that's... after after, after uh, seeing your rant, Steve, about the guy about, um, on Facebook about throwing oh, away Christmas tree, it was. I'm, just... I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're not a hypocrite <laughs> and you're gonna actually you're gonna actually do something with it. So yeah, for the, for those of you that don't follow me ranting on Facebook, um, <laughs> basically in the I like to make stuff group, uh, someone asked for suggestions on what to do with uh, her Christmas tree because she didn't want to just throw it away um, the local council recycle it but she thought it would be quite nice to just do something with it. And the group's called I Like to Make Stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's like 15 or 20 people commenting saying oh you could do this, you could do that you could do this and, and everything else and then this one guy just went just burn it, it's junk and I was like that, that's so incredibly unnecessary <laughs> It's not helpful. Like, why? And I just basically called the guy out on it. I was like, why? Why would you say that when there's already been a load of people giving suggestions? There's loads of stuff you could do with it. And at the end of the day, it's pine. It's literally one of the most used woods <laughs> in the world. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, but it's too small. It's junk. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so basically, um, he sucks and. That's and it. You, and you rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's I found out what the, I've been up to. The, uh, the driftwood that I had, I didn't even know what it was because half the bark had fallen off and, you know, it's gone pale white with just sitting. I actually, I pushed it over. That's how dead it was when we were clearing for the new barn. I just, yeah. I just muscled into it and just pushed it over. 
And nice. I told Jimmy, I go, I'm going to do something with this. And he goes, there's tons of good wood. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I will do something with it. And it turns out it's, it's, uh, it is pine, but I, I keep calling it blue pine because I swear I've heard it called that somewhere. I'm probably wrong. I could Google it right now to try and correct myself. But there's big sw- swashes of blue coloring within this white wood so it's still very very bone white wood except for every now and then you get this big wash of blue bluish color running through it and there's a lot of figuring and there's beetle trails and and bugs that have gotten into the tree but all in all it's in great shape and i think i think it's gonna pull off that you know it's pine again it's really soft it's really easy to work with it's already tapered so the idea of making like a ship's mast crow's nest thing is that's yeah i'm going for the silhouette that's that you know but this aged old dead wood because it's for a dead skull (laughs) nice so tell the tell the person on the i like to make stuff group to make a tiny ship out of it (laughs) yes (laughs) that's a very good idea whenever um, whenever i think of a uh, like a, a crow's nest on a pirate ship um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Asterix movie. Uh, I think it's Asterix in Britain. Yeah. Uh, and basically, the the Romans are coming to to Britain to take over, and the opening scene is just this this pirate ship, and the, <laughs> yes, uh, and, the, and there's the guy in the crow's nest, and he's like, "Golds, golds," and it's it's basically like Asterix and Obelix in a rowing boat, and they're just coming to get them like them on their own. I always always remember that. Brilliant. It's funny you say that about not knowing what kind of wood it is because um one of the guys i follow on instagram um jay smith woodwork from alteria i can't pronounce it but anyway, the one you the one you couldn't pronounce last week yeah that one yeah <laughs> um yeah jamie he's really sound guy and uh and for christmas he got a book called uh woodcut and i can't remember the name of the author but um it's this book that uh basically this guy's got a load of trees cut them in half um like cut cookies and uh raise the grain on them and then like block printed them um and like block printed different colors and that so you can see the um the internal structure of it or like the grain structure of it all and uh yeah it looks like an amazing book and that was basically what i had to say <laughs> that's just a cool book i would i would definitely like to get better at at wood recognition like species oh God, recognition yeah. It, it's just something I I really need to get better at because yeah. I, I like woodworking. I like fabricating and making all kinds of, you know, goofy stuff as it is. But there are moments where I would love to be able to properly pick out, you know, the right cuts of, like, say, for an axe handle, right? The first piece of hickory I bought to make yeah. an axe handle out of it was terrible handle-making yeah. wood. Um. I've learned a little bit more since then, but I would like to know that I could walk into a lumber mill and, and really know what I was looking at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just, um, identification of, uh, of different, um, species and stuff like that would be good. Um, but you're saying that about, uh, making axe handles. One of the guys that I was following, um, in, uh, on, uh, one of the guys I was watching whilst I was off ill um, was a guy called uh, I don't actually know his name but he's on uh, YouTube <laughs> your stories YouTube. are the best Steve <laughs> shut up <laughs> uh, I follow this guy and I can't pronounce it and I don't know uh, his name uh, he's on um, YouTube as traditional tools and basically it's this um, Canadian guy that makes or that, that restores axes and uses axes and stuff and uh, he did a, a whole um, video series or a couple of videos on rehandling vintage axes and restoring them and what to look out for and things like that and there was actually quite a bit that I learnt just from watching that video um, but yeah it's definitely something that I even as a non-woodworker I really want to get to know more about um, wood <laughs> yeah <laughs> true no I mean I'm the same it was like growing up it was if things were either pine or oak so that's the only two things I can really recognise. But as I'm kind of delving deeper into this world, I'm, I'm learning, and it's it's just so enjoyable finding out new things and seeing the different figures and the different qualities of wood and stuff. And it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I um, I completely agree. It's uh, it's something that I like. My brother um, is a chippy, so he's actually quite good at um, identifying different types of wood. And to me, like you say, it's it's oak or it's pine or it's some fancy wood that's going to cost more money <laughs> than I've got. <laughs> Well, that, that's the point. I don't think there was ever anything beyond that in our house. Yeah. So it's like the, the, the oak is the stuff that was handed down, and the pine is the stuff that Dad bought. So yeah, with that fucking exactly. horrible like seventies orange stain that was on all pine in England for oh, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely an exposure aspect to the to the education because where we grew up or where I grew up in in the middle of Kansas or in the middle of nowhere Kansas. Um, wood species like black walnut are really prevalent there was black walnut all over my neighborhood that i grew up in beautiful wood right and it's extremely sought after up here in the northeast because that's a really invasive species so they they make it a point to not let black walnut thrive up here so it's hard to get that kind of lumber most of the (laughs) stuff that you can get at the mills up here is shipped in, you know, and they have it in small pallets or small runs and it's quite expensive because of the shipment. Yeah. Yeah. No, funnily enough, I was in, um, uh, Yandles, uh, when I was picking up that oak for the, um, uh, bar clamps. Uh, sorry. Yandles is my local, uh, sawmill. And, um, yeah, when I was in there, they were saying that they haven't got any uh, English walnut. All they've got is is American walnut at the moment. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Coming over here. <laughs> <laughs> Taking our trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, t- talking of education, um, does that lead into a show topic that we haven't got or discussed yet? I- I'm going to go with yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I thought education would be quite a good one, actually. Um, be it from kind of a, a peer-to-peer level, um, you know, things that we learn from those around us, um, or even like education at school and kind of what the things that we learn. Because I know in the States, kind of um, the whole vocational subjects thing is a big kind of taboo subject and that it's been taken out of the curriculum and it's, it's happening the same here. So it'd be really interesting to see your take on it, Brett, and kind of what you grew up with at school in terms of, 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 of you know, technology and, and what, what did you call it, Steve, at school? It, it was, it was resistant materials when I was at school. Uh, I think, which had, in theory is everything. Yeah. But. <laughs> uh, we had, um, design technology, I think it was, but design technology. Okay. But it, it oh, d- no, sorry. Did, was it design and technology? I think DT. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 DT. But I mean, that was like, we did a, a, a couple, um, classes on, uh, like proper drawing um, which I didn't pay attention in and I really regret because it's something that I'd love to be able to do more right um, oh like, te- I, like technical drawing for yeah for building yeah. stuff oh cool yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah that's something I really regret not paying attention in uh, and I think we made we made like a key fob out of perspex and that was about it like we we just didn't have like what what the Americans would call like woodshop and stuff like that we just yeah. didn't happen i think i think we i think like i was was limited to one bandsaw and like uh, a couple of disc sanders so yeah. basically it was like, you know what can you cut out and then sand yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it was things like multi-tools and things like that and yeah, yeah. just a- anything two-dimensional basically yeah and um, we had a yeah i mean it, we had a sorry yeah go on brett <laughs> we had going through high school uh there was wood shop or, or like a fabrication area, but I remember when I was going through elementary school, uh, you'd hear about the older people doing, or the older kids doing wood shop, and it was all, you know, make a birdhouse or make an ashtray or something ridiculous, you know. Um, by the time I got to high school, they were not necessarily pushing against it, but it never even seemed like an option, and most of the people that took the shop class were... Guys that wanted to go into trades, which there were yeah. very few, right? But you got a lot of, um, especially in the Midwest, you got a lot of guys who wanted to be car mechanics or work on old cars. So they would go and take, yeah. you know, a really, really minimalistic metal shop class. Just, okay. you know, figuring out how to bend sheet metal and, and there might have been some welding in there. As far as I remember, the wood shop was 
like maybe one class was offered a semester um and it never really seemed that interesting in in college even in university it um i went to a pretty liberal school in the in the midwest but yeah uh it mainly focused on business there was a a huge section of it that was medical and then my art school uh had a lot of architecture graphic designers and fine art students and there was yeah as far as i can remember in university i never met anybody that was doing you know like woodworking or craft anything yeah. um i feel like that just got less and less the older that i've got you know yeah i mean i i um I don't know if you guys know Sean Everly, S.E. Woodwork. Um, he's a young guy. He's just finished school, um, and he he said that like basically when he when he's finishing his exams, he's going to like study furniture at university. And I was just like, "What? You can do <laughs> furniture at university? This is amazing!" And yeah. it's just yeah, it's the same. It's like at my school there wasn't really much in terms of vocational stuff. There was like what we called resistant materials, but you didn't really have a choice. You didn't have a say in it. There was no machine yeah. shop or anything like that. Like, like you see, Brett, there was no metal working or anything. It was like really basic bog standard woodworking. And I think it just depended which teacher you got basically yeah. to what discipline you had. And, you know, the, it was just almost like an afterthought. And I think it's a real shame because, you know, the world that we're in now, I'm just, we're all so hungry for, for, for this education yeah. And it's it's fantastic now that there's different avenues you can get it from. You know, I can chat with you guys and talk about things. We can learn off of watching people from around the world. Um, and I think education now has has changed dramatically. Whether or not the schools want to catch up, um, yeah, I think edu- education now is, is is played a completely different role in in totally different avenues as well, which is really exciting to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know uh, if you had the same experience as me when I was um, at school, but. Uh, it felt very much like um, basically you were pushed into doing academic studies as opposed to um, practical stuff. Because um, I was when I was in school, I I did quite well at um, at science and maths, and so yeah. I was really really pushed towards doing that. Um, yeah, same, same here. That was that, that was why I did at A levels was physics yeah. and maths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did uh, chemistry, biology. Uh, a levels but um but like all through my gcse's i was constantly getting told like oh you should be doing this you should be doing that you could go to university and do this you could go to university and do that yeah and um and it it was great but it wasn't at all what i wanted to do and because of that i ended up going into a career that didn't um didn't satisfy me in any way yeah um i think i've talked about this before on the podcast like the fact that i i spent five six ten years um working doing what i thought i was supposed to do rather than something that i actually enjoyed because i just didn't have the experience of it. i didn't know that it was a an option i didn't have the, the chance to get to know that you know i liked working with wood or i liked working with metal or whatever yeah, yeah. um because it just simply wasn't an option um and i think that's something that's that already they've kind of the powers that be have realized perhaps isn't for the best because we have no tradespeople yeah. um, at the moment and and I know uh, I've got some friends that actually run a uh, forest school um, where the kids actually get to go out and and learn practical things and even if it's just being out in um, in the countryside and in the, in the fresh air and, and in woods and, and just doing those things as toddlers yeah. um, but at least it gives them the kind of the, the right footing to perhaps um investigate it further as they grow up Te- teaching them things like how to hold up a stagecoach and things like that yeah just exactly. just cl- classic forest kind of yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> lessons um brett like th- when when you were kind of growing up w- did you have other sort of avenues like teaching you you know like family members or friends or people in in, in your community that would like fuel this kind of desire as you were as a kid yeah i mean I, I know I've mentioned it before uh, that I I had you know one grandfather that was a master carpenter though he was yeah. he was far enough along in age that he wasn't he wasn't really doing a lot of work he would you know chime in every now and then on on some housework if if my folks were doing it 
Um, and my other grandfather, who was a mechanic, you know, I got to get my hands dirty with some car engines and stuff. But again, there was a lack of appreciation because I don't think that's where my head was. I didn't necessarily want to work on cars. Where I had other friends, my my closest cousin growing up was obsessed with cars and mechanics and running speakers. You know, every crappy yeah. car he bought growing up had the nicest set of speakers in it because <laughs> he would yeah. screw around with the wiring. Um, but luckily in in the Midwest. I I think I was always curious enough to um, try and ingest or, or be a little bit of a sponge for any of the makers that I would run into growing up, or even guys that didn't consider themselves makers, as that's yeah. a relatively new term, it seems like. But um, a lot of blue-collar guys in the Midwest would grow up, and one guy would know absolutely everything there was about framing out a building or a small barn or... You know, this guy would do some light metal work, or this was the best copper pipe person <laughs> you've ever met, you know. Yeah. And that was always really interesting to me, but going through school, I, I came up drawing and painting a lot when I was young. Um, I didn't go outside much. I didn't, have a lot. <laughs> I didn't make a lot of friend time. I would usually sit in the basement and just draw what I saw on TV. Nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, as, I, as I got older, you know, I... I kept kind of getting pushed into, well, you know, graphic design is a new thing. So people were basically trying to shift my hands-on work into something that they saw as more practical as either a career or at least something that would make money outside of just selling paintings that were mediocre at best. Commercial um, artist. Yeah. Basically, and yeah. I, 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 something shifted... Um, Something definitely shifted once I went through university where I I did want to work with my hands, but there were clearly more options for solid work or at least a ready paycheck or, or sorry, a regular paycheck or some more stability um, yeah. going down the production avenue, which is why I went there. But my mom is a teacher. She's actually retiring uh, within the next year, but my mom's been a teacher since I was very, very young, and we've had lots of discussions about this exact thing, where now that she's retiring, it's not that she doesn't care anymore, but she sees it, you know, from the inside, where it doesn't seem like there's anybody with even interest, and even if there is interest there, it's not being catered to. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what, what does she teach, Brett? She's a grade school teacher. Um, no, she's high school, so ninth, okay. ninth, tenth grade in the States, and it's math and... Math? And a couple of other classes. I can't remember, but math is her main one. She's been an algebra and calculus teacher for years and years and years. Oh, cool. But yeah, so, no, it, it, my, 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 my mum's the same. She's a, she's, she's a teacher. Well, she was. She's retired now. But she, she was also like a, a maths specialist as well. Yeah, that, That's maths with an S. <laughs> uh, math. <laughs> math. Singular. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's it's... I think that kind of echoes what we were saying. Like the 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 idea of doing practical stuff isn't doesn't seem to be catered for anymore. Um, and I think the because I, I spoke to Jazz about this a little while back and said that one of the things I'd love to do if I if I was to win the lottery and, and be able to do whatever I wanted, I'd love to set up a um, like an after school um, center that you know kids could go along to and they could get basically just a maker space that's open to kids so yeah. yeah they can come along and they can take a, a, a free class on basic woodworking or metalworking or whatever um just to get that that hands-on experience because it's it's all very well saying oh yeah but you know, kids don't want to do that they want to go off and they want to get an office job or whatever but <laughs> oh yeah kids always say that yeah oh, i right. can't wait till i get an office job <laughs> yeah. um but the thing is is it like the the problem that I found is or that I've seen is that um, they're just not getting like it's not even an option to them. Like they're they're never told that's that's something you can do. Um, I mean, I, I think I've said it before on the podcast a few times where you know when we're doing shows and and kids are coming along and they're seeing someone actually be a blacksmith and, and make something with metal, they get really overexcited and they're like, oh my god, this yeah. is insane, this is incredible. And like we've had parents come up and say, so what do you do like is this just what you do at weekends what do you do for a real job and having to explain to them like no this is this is our real job 
Um, like th- this is what we make a living from. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's not true for entirely true for me, but um, but like th- this is a, a potentially a full time career. Like you you can do this. You can make a, a good living from it. And um, and the reactions you get are, are, are bizarre because people just can't believe that you could do something like this as a job, but it's not just a hobby. Um, and I think that's something that's that's kind of uh, forced into you in your formative years at school that you know you you must for lack of a better expression you must conform you must work in an office you must do this because that's what makes you money that's what is the correct thing to do and um and i think it, it has got to the point now where people are starting to kind of break out of that and go actually no i don't want to do that i want to be able to work with my hands i want to mold shit out of clay or <laughs> you know cut some wood up or, or or do whatever and and I think the makers movement in general is a really really good uh, thing for that because it means that kids can log on to YouTube they can they can see people making you know either beautiful stuff that's really finely carved or completely batshit insane um, chainsaws on poles or with green <laughs> fire and shit like that um, and and it's it, it's allowing them to see that actually you you don't have to have like you don't have to be on TV to do this you can be just a dude in a shed in your back garden yeah. making cool stuff and more than that you can make a living from doing it as well and I don't mean that as in just being a content creator I mean as in you can make a living from being a carpenter and making fun stuff at the weekends or or being a, a metal worker and and playing with cars at the weekend, sort of thing. Like, there's you can turn things that you enjoy into a career if if you want to. Yeah, and, and you, you've got to make sacrifices because it's not going to pay what the office job pays, but the rewards are just are just so much better. I mean, it goes it goes beyond um, just sort of school uh, level education because the university I went to. Um, at the time, was known for really, as being a really good arts college, um, and they had loads of kind of uh, like applied arts there as well, and and, and um, you know courses where you could make ceramics and woodwork and things and fabrics, and people would make a really good living out of it. At the end of it, when they got out of the course, it wasn't just about like fine art. Um, but even now, they've axed all those courses just in favour of like business studies, basically. And yeah. the, the majority of the, the prospectus now is just courses about business attracting overseas students to, to come there pay the fees and just like you say just churn out this kind of this perpetual machine of of, of money making and not actually craft and 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 and, and learning techniques and and you know the things yeah. that we we get really really passionate and excited about yeah i mean you say you can't make uh a, a good money from it but i think that's that again that depends on, on what you're doing if, you know if you're if you're on your a game then then you you can make really really good money from it. Um, it just depends on what you want to do. Yeah, for sure. And and it, you know it could it could be that it takes a little bit longer to start making that money, or you have to come up with something niche or something interesting, or be doing something totally different. Whereas opposed to me being one of ten million graphic designers who all do the same fucking thing every day, <laughs> you know, and still got, still get paid shit. But well, and I think it's a. I don't, I don't want to go on some crazy rabbit hole rant, but... Do it! <laughs> no, 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 we don't need to get into that here. <laughs> After show. Um, especially having my my mom to bounce stuff off of and, and talk, you know, more on like a life existential level. Um, everything, education, business... You know, politics, whatever you want to get into, it, everything can kind of be tied back to a system, right? So when the system is failing or when the system has been set in place because of whatever the requirements for society are, you know, at that given moment, um, that stuff changes, right? Things evolve. Like we didn't have cell phones 20 years ago. yeah. And, you know, the three of us grew up during the time where we saw AOL, we saw the intro of the internet and now we all have cell phones and now we're on instagram and now we're using youtube and filming with our own digital cameras and so that's all insane amounts of stuff compared to 20 years ago and 20 years ago 
I remember being told that me doing, you know, paintings or, or working <laughs> on artwork wasn't going to lay me a job or it was going to take so much work to try and, you know, get good enough at it and you'd have to go to all of these art shows and show your art off and then grow and grow and grow. That's very true. It's still, if you want to be an artist, like you have to work for it, right? There's something yeah, about yeah. being a creative where your bills aren't paid for by you yeah. producing an axe or yeah. something. You don't get to make that and instantly go, great, my car payment's paid for. That's not <laughs> yeah. how that works. But because the the system of business in the last 10 to 15, 20 years, whatever, it's been like that since the renaissance, whatever. Anything that makes money will propagate more things that go down that same path to make more money, right? So every single uh, business that exists on the internet now probably has 10 to 15 other clones of that. You know, Amazon is a giant one that takes over, but Amazon is is kind of rivals eBay. And then yeah. there's also Etsy for the more creative and one-off market. And it, everyone is going to want to see these systems bring money back because everyone wants to profit. Everyone wants to grow big. Everyone, yeah. companies thrive on getting bigger right you're not successful unless you've gone up 33 percent over the year <laughs> and the the idea of analytics and analyzing how many clicks you're getting a day and you know how many how much traffic comes through your site that stuff didn't exist 20 years ago yeah yeah and so now those of us that are in this makerspace it's fantastic we feel like we've found a an avenue for ourselves that makes us happy right and that's not to say anything against the people that work in a corporate structure or in an office. That's, I know friends of mine that are so happy at their job and they, they, they get stuff done. They do good things for their business. They do good things for their community through their business. It's different strokes for different folks. But yeah. I still don't agree with the fact that the system is clearly going education, you know, business, whatever. It's just it's it's pushing all of the younger folks into these avenues to say that you can't exist unless you work in front of a laptop all day long 40 hours a week you'll have a steady paycheck a 401k you know whatever you'll have you'll have comfort and safety there which is good those are <laughs> awesome yeah. things but man again i'll have to say it walking <laughs> being a part of this this community now i feel like i'm part of this community um it's it's such a breath of fresh air because for the last 10 years of my life i've been doing jobs that everyone told me i was good at i was doing a good job but i was unhappy the whole time yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'd constantly fight back and forth to figure out like i should be happy right now i'm getting a salary i have health insurance everything is great i have friends in my job nothing and now I'm as happy as I can be, and I'm broke as hell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because like my uh, my dad, um, bless him. When he was uh, when he was growing up, he didn't have a choice. He was he was basically told by his dad that you know he he was going to take on the family farm. He that's he didn't have a choice. He was going into that, and he didn't want that for us kids. So he he pushed us away from farming, and which he did out of love, but he inadvertently kind of. Um, ended up pushing towards the the you, know, you, you must get a, a secure job working for someone else working in an office you know making good money having a steady income and and, and all of this um, because he didn't want us to end up in the same position that he was um, which you know I, I completely understand and, and I don't blame him at all for for what he did um, but I'm now at the point where you know I've I've gone out I've I've had the steady job. I've I've earned good money. Um, I was very fortunate in that I was able to uh, put a deposit down on a house and and you know start paying a mortgage and things like that. But I'm now at the point where I've I've realised I'd rather be poor and happy than secure and safe and and earn, earning good money and just not happy. Um, and I think that's that's something that people are kind of realizing uh now more and more is that it's not um it it doesn't matter if 
if you've got all the money in the world if you're not happy then it doesn't mean anything um and, and that kind of that job satisfaction is is something that's that's not really catered for um when you're 16 17 or 15 16 however old it is when you're choosing you know what what gcses you're going to be doing and what <laughs> a level courses and what um what university course you're going to want to do because when i was um when i was in uh college i was i was doing chemistry and biology i ended up dropping out halfway through my second year because i didn't see the point i didn't know what i wanted to do um and the only reason i was doing the G- uh, gcses no the a level sorry was so that i could go on to university and i suddenly realized i don't know why i'm going to university like I'm, I'm not particularly wanting to study anything that they have on offer i don't know what i want to do with myself yeah you know, i, I want to go out and explore the world a little bit and and get a bit more life experience behind me um and ended up going out and and working instead and and yeah i think it was there was a lot of pressure um when i was that age that it was just you just go to university because you need to go to university to get a good job Hmm. Yet, all all of the guys I know that went to university, like seventy five percent of them, have ended up in a job that's got nothing whatsoever to do with, not and not just nothing to do with the, the thing that they studied, but they didn't even need a degree to get the job. Yeah. Um. And I've had friends that have been turned down for jobs because they're overqualified because they've got a degree. <laughs> and it, like I I I'm in a, a quite well paying job now, and it's. Yeah, you know, after you've got two years experience in any job that degree doesn't matter um it's only you know you, you it seems like you you get that degree to get your first job and then it's essentially useless and yeah i mean for, for me the the this whole, whole like idea of, of, of job security and, and taking this kind of regular you know you want to call it an office job but you know this this regular job that's got stability it it, it i don't find that i learn as much in those environments no it's it's the lack of stability and the kind of the the unknowing part that that really fuels this desire for education in me and if there's if there's something that i don't know that and i'm going to basically have to learn it in order to survive and and pay my next bill that's going to also add to this desire and and this 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 other world this world of creativity and making and it doesn't uh, anything vocational basically where you have to learn new skills and you have to work with your hands and you know the strength of your back and stuff this is what actually fuels this desire otherwise you just basically you are making money for somebody else and you do get complacent and yeah there's stability but there's stability for a reason because they don't want you to fucking leave that they want yeah. to keep you there they want to keep you working there and making money for them whereas yeah. what i want to do is is learn something every day that's my only desire when i wake up in the morning is to have by the end of the day if i've not learned something it's a wasted day yeah that's no, that's such an amazing statement, Mike. And to keep harking on the education and the and the teachers, you guys are probably very similar. And, and I feel like there's this at least has to be something in the maker community. But um, almost everybody I've met has a handful, if not even less than that, of educators that they've had in their lifetime that have had such an effect on you that you can recall every interaction or a lot of interactions you had with that person. They were very catering to whatever your personality was and going, you know, you're, I had, I had one teacher who her statement was, I want to learn something new every day. And she was 62 or 63 and retired Hmm. right when I was graduating. And she, she had a doctorate and she was going back to school to get another you know, PhD, something or other. I don't know. She, she constantly wanted to educate herself. She was the smartest person in our entire school by far. And she was curious, constantly curious. And when she knew that I wanted to go to art school, even though I was taking her physics class, she was like, you're putting up really good physics grades. You know, are you interested at all in anything like physics? I was like, to be honest, not really. And she goes, you know what? That's fine. You're you're good at art. You should do that. And so she was teaching this class and didn't care at all that I wasn't going to, you know, dive into a degree in the field that I was doing well in in her class. Um, and that always kind of stuck with me. Where did, yeah, so I don't know if you guys had the same experience. I mean, for me, it's it's 
it wasn't actually specific teachers at school or anything, but I did have these kind of standout people that I learned from throughout my life and growing up. But it was more kind of people in my community or, you know, family members or, um, you know, friends, parents or someone or like, a you know, an older brother of one of my mates. And it'd be like, oh, fuck, this guy knows how to fix up cars. And I'd get really excited and be really involved with it. I, you know, I remember going around my yeah. my uncle's house as a kid and, you know, he, he had all these, you know, like 20 like computers in his in his in his bedroom it wasn't they weren't even pcs it was before then it was you know like yeah. uh acorn electrons and things like that and, and spectrums and stuff and it was all um it was all like done in code and stuff and but he'd still be playing games on it and shit and it was just this this yeah. world where i wanted to learn and i'd go into this environment i think because it was new and i'd not experienced it before and i didn't have these things in my life that was when that's where the interest in the intrigue came from so if i went round to a friend's house and his dad had like you know, a lathe in the garage. I was like, "Fuck, what is this? Like, a, this is something that I don't know how to do." And it, this, this, this desire to to learn about it um, came from there. So, for me, these 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 sort of standout educators in my life weren't actually from school, um, which is yeah. a real shame because obviously that's where they're meant to come from. Um, <laughs> I think having parents as teachers probably it was some sort of subliminal, like subconscious thing where I was avoiding learning anything in school because I hated it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean. To be fair, I think I've got, I've probably got more uh, negative experiences with um, with teachers from school than I have positive. Um, just from them, uh, there was quite a few like quite old school teachers um, where I was, and and it, they they weren't exactly encouraging. Yeah. Um, but then I mean, my art teacher, my drama teacher, my biology and chemistry teachers were all really sound people, really really good. Um, and uh, and just uh, and one of my physics teachers as well actually like really um, enthusiastic wanted you to learn wanted you to do mm. better wanted to to inspire you and I think that's that's something that mi- that's missing um, uh, a lot is is wanting to inspire people um, and I think again that's that's one of the great things about the maker community is the fact that you know, the people that are putting out content are generally doing it to, to try and inspire others. It's not a case of, you know, th- these aren't necessarily instructional videos. These are these are meant to inspire you to go and do your own thing and, and make your own thing and 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 put your own take on something. Um, I think that's why I like the uh, the maker community so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like I say, the the, the really good uh, teachers were. Um, Mostly the guys outside, or the the people I met outside of school. Um, mostly, the, <laughs> mostly. Uh, I think the be- the best one that I had, um, at, like at any point, was actually a an ex headmaster um, who ended up running um, the local pub, and uh, and I worked for him for years, um, like because like yeah, I got my first bar job there, and and and. Uh, and basically ran the cellar for a few years and he was just such an incredible guy he um he he could have very easily been quite um kind of up his own ass and quite uh like looked down on people but he he never did um and he always encouraged other people to do the same so he, he encouraged everyone to um to just to get out there learn as much as you can and and to help others learn, um, but, uh, but yeah, that was that's it. I'm kind of trading off because I don't really know where I'm going with that point. <laughs> no, but it's, it's funny that you say he went he went and um, and opened a bar. Like for, for me, it's the same thing. Like the first time I worked in a bar, I remember the the a guy teaching me to change a barrel for the first time. Yeah, and it's those little things that like stick with me. You know, the, the first time someone teaches how to sharpen a knife, or the first time someone teaches you how to shoot a gun you know it's it's these people just doing it because they want to do it not because yeah it's it's in an environment where you're supposed to be learning i think yeah. that's when i get the most excited about 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 learning new things and learn, learning new techniques and i also find that's when people are most um excited about teaching you things as well yeah so somebody that has a passion and then you go up to them and say what's that you're doing or can you show me how to do that that's when people will get really excited and really enjoy to yeah. teach you those things and that's that that's hopefully how skills get shared yeah so um i'm kind of jealous of you two guys actually because you seem to both spend quite a bit of time with 
really inspiring people um, in the workshop. So I was wondering kind of what kind of education you're getting on a daily basis. Like Brett, does does kind of Jimmy have time to, to, to pass knowledge on to you or is it all kind of just done on the job? Um, you know, what kind of what kind of skills and, and, and knowledge is, is, is rubbing off on you in that environment? Um, I think there is a certain degree of, there's always something to learn if you know how to watch properly that sounds really yeah um yeah. it sounds really simple but honestly if i think there's a difference between um being taught and and self-educating right like i can watch jimmy do certain processes and maybe ask a question every now and then but a lot of it is just seeing how he moves or seeing why he chooses to use this tool versus that tool he's he's very like in the zone most of the time so i tend to to not, you know, derail his line of thinking when he's problem solving. But yeah, there's there's constant uh, opportunities to. I mean, even on the most recent build, I definitely pulled him aside for a minute and went, "Here's what I'm trying to achieve. What would your approach be? Because I think I'm overcomplicating this." And then yeah. I can hear at least his perspective, and then kind yeah. of try and find a middle ground. It's it's funny you say that just about watching him because. Um... Recently, someone was asking me why I followed Jimmy's channel and why I liked watching him, and basically, I, my answer was that I've I've learnt more from just watching his hands than anyone talking about building or anyone explaining yeah. their build or anyone doing a how-to. Just literally watching the like the decisions he makes and kind of the, the ways he does things in his unique way. I think just watching someone as voyeuristic voyeuristic as it sounds is an amazing way to learn. Yeah, because I mean, I I know uh, I've had experience when we've had um, we've had students coming along for the the, the blacksmithing classes. Um, you you'll see guys and and you'll see them uh, doing something wrong, whether it's how they're holding the hammer or how they're actually hitting the metal or whatever. And and you get in and you show them and you go through the motion really really slowly so that they can pick up every single detail of 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 how you're striking why where and 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 all that um and you'll see the difference between people that are, are paying attention and that watch it and they they'll pick up on every single little movement and then there's other people that just watch it and and in their head all you're doing is hitting the bit of metal like there's no there's no finesse or or anything more than that and yeah. it's incredibly frustrating trying to to teach someone that's got that kind of attitude but it's so rewarding um when you've got a student that that that, like you say brett knows how to learn and just watches takes it in and then applies it themselves right so you've got like sorry brett go on uh, sorry um Hmm. we we've already talked about this on on a previous podcast but just as a short little bite it's I, I like to think of YouTube or possibly our channels or at least the community that we seem to exist in as if I can teach somebody how to think. I'm not educating you on how to use a pull saw or a table saw or weld. That's that's not necessarily the approach, right? But yeah. cracking somebody open and allowing them yeah. to learn in their own way or, or teaching somebody how to think how to how to problem solve how to find solutions um i love that aspect of the maker community versus that's, that's, that, you've hit you've hit you've you've hit the nail on the head there brett um, i've just i've just been promoted at work actually to um Ooh. to design director and congratulations there's thank you and um, there's 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 other, there's other design directors where i work but and what they as as you. obviously and they, they don't look like a human pipe of guinness and <laughs> and the um what they try and do is they try and direct the design like literally this is how you design things yeah but what i try to do is like like you say brett this is how you think about things this is how you approach things you know this is how to uh, problem solve in a different way so um it, for me it, the, the teaching side of education should be about ways of learning not just trying to instill the information into somebody i think that's a, a real archaic way of, of, of educating and learning in this kind of you know, repeating times tables and repeating Latin phrases just until you until you've memorized it. That's not going to teach you anything. You know, you can you can get a parrot to do that. Um, but actually, being able to learn and problem solve and 
that as the skill that you teach, I think, is is way more valuable. Yeah, definitely. But um, well, seeing as we're um, we're kind of talking about uh, people we find that are spiffing, <laughs> I think it's about time we. Uh, Cool. Who wants to go first? Go, Brett. Cool. All right. I'm going to shout out my dude, Keith Decent. Nice. Um, he's got a lot of really amazing approaches to builds. He he does a lot of uh, restoration or upcycling. You know, he's currently working on a crazy sliding bookshelf. Mm-hmm. He's had it on Instagram recently where he's taking the... Uh, the ribs is that what you call it yeah okay so oh, the, the, the spines like the spines, the spines right yeah. the the yeah. book spines and and making kind of a revealing uh, case of some sort some piece of furniture but they basically slide on a track it's really really interesting and he he's done some really amazing stuff with uh, i was looking at his uh lamp his pendant light that he made out of some old driftwood or dead wood that had really raw and gnarly edges and everything like that just to kind of get a sense of how did he do it? How did he process the lumber? You know, and he's a smaller channel, but he, I think he's really got a good brain about him. And like, yeah. you know, to go along with what we're talking about, I think he's got a lot of solution finding and problem solving talent in, in his videos. And it's, it's really fun to watch how he takes an idea and then, you know, brings it into reality. So have keep you, have you seen decent. The, uh, have you seen the comics that he does as well? Yes. That's so <laughs> yeah. good. The decent comics. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and again, to be yeah. fair, he's he's one of those people that uh, whose name constantly crops up in the community as well. He's um, he's very active, and and you can tell by the amount of people that that talk about him and, and the way that they talk about him that he's um, yeah, he's a good dude. He's a decent guy. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, Al, what about you? Yeah. Um, I, I think I've talked about him before on the podcast, um, but he's never been a certificate of spiff. Um, the channel's called Binging with Babish. Oh yes, yeah. Um, and basically, he uh, he recreates their food and drinks from TV and movies. Um, and I've always loved I've loved the channel for it for a long time. Um, and he's always kind of doing things that stuck out in my mind. But uh, this week he did <laughs> he did a pasta bake from uh, the Peep Show. <laughs> And it's fucking brilliant, and and he's he's you can tell he loves kind of the the, the British humour on Peep Show and the way he yeah. just just recreates this dish like exactly as Mark does it in in the, in the episode. Awesome. Um, but what what I really like about it is that he'll make it knowing that it's going to be disgusting, but then he'll remake it in a sensible way because he knows yeah. how to cook, and then he tries to recreate something and he kind of makes something, um, you know, halfway edible by the end of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's really good. Um, and it all, just to segue, I know you look like a good segue, Steve. Um, on his channel, he's just he's just launched a, a kind of a, a, a side show where it's uh, about learning and about teaching to cook. So it's not oh, it's awesome. not it's not it's not the fun side of it. It's uh, it's called uh, like basics with Babish, and he's just basically te- teaching you the really simple things to do with cooking. So how to cook a steak properly, how to make fresh pasta, how to roast a chicken, yeah. you know, basic sauces that you need. And he's I think it's kind of coincided with him launching a book as well. So. Oh, awesome. um, if, if you don't know, if anyone listening doesn't know the channel, it's called Binging with Babish, um, and there'll be something on there that will, you know, resonate with you. Whether it's from uh, an episode of Fraser or you know the cocktail from The Simpsons at the Flaming Mose, <laughs> he, 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 he's made it all. Yeah, brilliant. So he's, he's spiffing. Cool. Sounds like a good one. I have to uh, to put everything in the um, in the shows. Yes. Uh, what about yourself, Steve? Uh, me this week I um, as I said earlier I've been off uh, I've not been feeling too great um, this last week so I've been doing I've actually been kind of binging quite a lot of, uh, of YouTube and there's a guy who's um, another English guy uh, he's actually got a, quite a, a good following um, already uh, and it's a guy called Sam Fowler um, he's he's had some uh some videos out for for quite a while he's he's been associated with a certain other um youtuber but that's no longer happening um 
and I'm not going to say any more about it because it's not my place to say anything. Um, but yeah, Sam's channel is, I mean, he's he's coming to 2018 um, really, really strong. You know, you can see that there's a real passion to to not make some of his channel in in the sense that you know he wants to make money from it. It's he really wants to get the community going and oh, and like us he kind of he loves the community uh for the community sort of thing rather than for what the community can give him sort of thing yeah cool. um but yeah he's uh he's not got the 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 flashiest setup or anything like that but he's um he's not, not uh, like us three <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> um but yeah he, and he's producing good videos it's a lot of um because uh, he's a sorry, I, I should probably say what he actually does. Um, he's a he's a farrier um, and does a bit of blacksmithing as well. He's um, he's putting out a line of of tools and things as well um, from uh, propane forges that are all, all ready made and ready to go for a very good price. Um, he's also selling uh, a I think it's an Australian made um, belt grinder um, that I'm very very tempting to get myself um and uh and yeah he's 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 going to be at maker central this year i'm hoping that i might get to uh, to catch up with him there um but yeah he's he's just a a really a, a nice guy that's that's putting himself out there and and i i don't say this about many people but i genuinely hope he does he does really well from it because uh, he seems like the kind of guy that um that deserves it awesome. so yeah i'd say that Sam is is spiffing. Nice. Cool. Subscribe. Yes. Bro. Uh, right. Do we have any other business before we wrap this thing up? To business. To business. <laughs> uh, I'm taking that as a no. Then. Oh, well, actually, um, yeah. Can I do a shameless plug? You can. Um. So. We're all extremely excited about um, Maker Central. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I'm in. I booked my hotel. Oh, nice. What? Oh, fuck's sake. I'm, I'm, I'm staying with Daniel. I know. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, he's uh, he's probably going to be travelling up with us. Right. Um, so he, he'll have probably killed me by the time we get there, so <laughs> it's fine. I'm okay. just going to find a bush to fall asleep in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take lots of whiskey. Yeah. Um, yeah, so actually, uh, on Maker Central, so the week before um, is the UK Maker Fair. I yes. Don't think it, I don't think it gets an, uh, uh, as much press as um, the other global uh, Maker Fairs, certainly not as big as the ones in the States or even the, the other European ones, actually. Yeah. I know the, the German and the, the Dutch ones are really big, so just want to give a shout-out to Maker Fair. Um, if anyone's interested, it's the week of weekend of the 28th and 29th of April. Um, I'm going to be there. I've got a stall. Um, I'm, hey. hopefully, I'm hopefully going to um, get a few more kind of uh, people from the maker community, and we can have kind of a little uh, makers um, UK makers stand there. Uh, yeah. Maybe have some interactive things. Uh, awesome, we, we were talking earlier about uh, kind of inspiring kids and, and getting them to be sort of hands on. Um, yeah. Maker Fair is really aimed at children. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it's going to be a really sort of interesting and inspiring weekend um, and yeah I just want to kind of start spreading the word um, start getting some ideas for what, what, what we can do in this stall and how we can kind of help inspire the next generation because I think that's what's coming out of this conversation today is about that to, to, to a point that's, that Brett's made really strongly a couple of times is that you know if we want something to change we're going to have to fucking do it ourselves yeah exactly um, so that's, that's, that's my mission for, for, for Make a Fair that's awesome, man. That sounds really good. Yeah. Well done, you. Cool. Uh, that actually, I just that sounded a little bit sarcastic. I definitely didn't mean that sarcastic. That's that was a genuine nice work, man. Of course it was, Steve. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, right. Uh, shall we um, tell people where they can find us? Yes, you can find me on uh, YouTube at Al's Hackshack. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Al Shakshak. Al Shakshak! Cool. Brett, where can everyone find you? You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Brett McAfee. And on Instagram, it's Skull and Spade 13. Skull and Spade 13! 
<laughs> cool. Uh, and you can find me at uh, Moonshine Matterworks on Instagram and Facebook, and Steve underscore Steve underscore Moonshine on Twitter. Underscores are like get... your your kryptonite. Uh, I I it's just words now. <laughs> it's got to that point of the podcast that I just. I don't want to be here anymore. In case, in case it's not evident, guys, uh, this is like our fifth take of this episode because we keep having technical issues. No, this uh, is this is genuinely six. Is it six? Seven. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> I, it's it's all right for you two. You laugh it up. You, I'm gonna stitch all this shit together. Yeah, well, laugh it up, Fuzzball. <laughs> <laughs> That's full circle because this oh, is, it is a Wookie. That's a nice callback. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yes, and if you want to get hold of us as a group, you can find us on www.fullswithtwo... Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> FWT Podcast? Come on, Steve. Yeah, www.fwtpodcast.com. We're on Instagram at FWT Podcast, Twitter at FWT underscore podcast, or you can just email us at hello at fwtpodcast.com. And if you have uh, iTunes or any of those kind of things leave us a review get us out there share us to your friends get more people listening to us because we're awesome awesome thing yeah and it helps spread the love and it helps kind of share the podcast and get get new people listening um, and yeah. we did get a, a, a really nice review as well on facebook um so thank you for anyone that drops in a review um yeah that really helps yes cool Right, shall we say bye? I think we should. Bye. Bye. bye! Oh, thank fuck that's over. <laughs>